1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 223 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is uh, earlier, actually, than we'd want to record on a Sunday afternoon, but this is a pseudo-emergency podcast, and joining me to discuss all of the big news from July 4th is Scott Coleman. Hello, sir.
2: Hey, Brad. How you doing? Good to be on. Hope everybody's uh, doing okay out there.
1: Yeah, for sure. We always hope that, but especially right now, and uh, as a word, hopefully I sound all right, but I am not in my normal setup, so if it sounds funny, it's my fault, and uh, we'll get back to our normal uh, microphone-led setup next time around, but we wanted to get this podcast out as soon as possible, so here we are. Uh, Obviously, the biggest news that hit on the holiday, on Saturday, is that four four members of the Braves player pool, uh, two of which are uh, pretty big names, actually. I guess probably two and a half of which, with with, with regard to Tuki Toussaint. But Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Tuki Toussaint, and Pete Cosma all tested positive for COVID nineteen, according to an announcement by Brian Snicker on Saturday morning. Just to get out in front of this before anybody says anything, um, all four of these guys had to give consent for the Braves to announce this. Um, teams are not allowed to announce positive test right now, unless the player said so. Um, So I saw some of the reactions like, why is this public information? It's because uh, they told Snicker it was okay to say it. But obviously Freddie Freeman is, if not the face of the franchise, alongside Ronald Acuna, one of the two faces of the franchise and uh, the best player on the team for quite some time. Uh, has a fever, actually has symptoms, uh, not feeling great, according to Snicker. And uh, actually, uh, his wife Chelsea posted, I believe on, on Instagram, that Freddie's had body aches, headaches, chills, and a high fever in the last couple of days. He, did, he He actually did test negative originally upon arrival at camp and then positive on Friday. In the last few seconds, actually, since before we recorded, Mark Bowman said that uh, Freddie's feeling quote much stronger today end quote which is a good sign obviously but uh, we'll stop there we'll definitely talk about the other guys as well but uh, pretty big news when a top you know twenty five player in baseball uh, to be conservative tests positive for COVID on the eve of the season
2: yeah it kind of put a damper and really kind of put things in perspective I know uh, me personally I was I was downright giddy on Friday you you know you see the guys back at the field working out throwing batting practice. Um, all that. Seems like every, you know, spirits were high. And, and then, of course, there was the league-wide testing results, where I think out of 3,000 tests, only 1.5% came back positive, which was encouraging. I, I think most people agreed that was encouraging, especially if they could keep um, the test rates around that level, keep them low, of course, keep everybody healthy. Uh, but then, of course, as you said, Saturday morning comes out that that Freddie and three others had tested positive And Uh, you know, talking to Mike Soroka earlier today, he said it really kind of shook the locker room and put everything in perspective and really just reminded people that, you know, everybody's excited about baseball. I think they're cautiously optimistic that we're going to get a season, but there is this very giant monster in the corner of the room that uh, the players are going to have to deal with. And anytime it's your leader, regardless of who it is, I think it's, it's impacts the locker room, but whenever it's Freddie Freeman, he is, um, as you said, for you know, really the last decade now, has kind of been the man in the high castle in that, in that locker room. And, and it sounds like he really wasn't doing very well for a couple of days. Hopefully, as you alluded to, Bowman said he's feeling better today, and, and hopefully he's able to get some of his strength back. And who knows what this means down the road, couple weeks, whatever. But um, I think any time you, you have a leader of, of Freeman's statute um, get sick from this, I, I think it is kind of an eye-opener for everybody else around him.
1: For sure. And uh, you mentioned Soroka. Also, Snicker said sort of the same stuff about how this is sort of a reminder to everybody that I believe the way that uh, Snicker described it was that it sobers everybody up and uh, reminds them this is a, quote, real thing we are fighting, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, if they needed a reminder, this is definitely going to be it with regard to Freddie. And apparently, according to all reports, Freddie was doing all the right things and self-quarantining. And uh, before all this, was very careful alongside his family. But, um, yeah, interesting to uh, see the reactions. And you mentioned the timetable. What we don't know, and what I, what I, what I kind of refuse to do, is to um, speculate too much on timetable right now. Uh, obviously, having symptoms is not ideal. The season is, as we record uh, this, 19 days away. Uh, could Freddie be in the lineup on opening day? Certainly he could. Could he not be? Uh, Certainly he could not be. Uh, We'll see. Uh, I kind of just don't know. No one knows anything. This is Mm -hmm. not a normal injury where you can kind (laughs) of project it out. Uh, You just don't know. Um, And by the way, there is protocol in place. We mentioned it a little bit in passing previously, but there's this COVID IL that now exists with no minimum or maximum stay. Uh, Players have to isolate now. And then uh, all of these guys have to test negative twice at least 24 hours apart in order to return and have no symptoms for 72 hours and have team doctor approval. So all these things have to happen within you know the, the next three weeks for those guys to play, any of them to play on an opening day. And uh, Smith and Toussaint are asymptomatic, which is good. Uh, Cosman, and Freddie apparently have some symptoms. So we'll see, but there are stuff, there are definitely steps. And uh, I can't imagine, you know, just knowing what I know, the very, very little that I know about coronavirus that – none of those steps are going to be happening anytime in the next few days. You're going to have to, it's going to have to run its course a little bit here. So it's going to be a little bit of time. We'll update that as we get more information, but uh, you did mention in passing the uh, initial testing numbers across baseball. They got a lot of celebration and uh, it it appears that that was uh, very early in terms of the celebration Hmm. because within like the day and a half after that, uh, a lot more cases got announced. So uh, I'm kind of curious as to why baseball did what they did messaging wise uh, they wanted to put out the good yep. story i guess but it was pretty clear to me at this point in time that that was never going to be uh the case based on what was going to happen in the next couple of days i don't, I don't want to say that they were doing it on purpose but it does feel like that encouraging report was never actually real
2: yeah yeah you're right and i think it's inevitable there are going to be cases i don't think anyone disagrees with this and, and not just in baseball and all the sports if, if they're going to play high name players you know players who are known household names across the country are going to test positive. And I think so far, Freddie is probably not probably he is the biggest name to test positive so far. And, and there's going to be positive tests in season. Um, it, it's, it is inevitable that this is going to be a very, very real thing. You know, you talked about Will Smith, you and I were talking uh, just before coming on, you know, Will Smith was, was one of the, the Braves, biggest off season additions. He gets the three year, four year contract, um, big money, a, a pivotal role as, as presumably either the you know the Braves closer slash you know big out getter which you know, we could argue about which one's the more important title but you know the Braves are going to count on Will Smith extremely over the next couple of years and and not that this is necessarily something's going to impact them for years down the road but at least as far as 2020 goes you know if, if it wasn't Freddie I think we'd be talking about Will Smith at length today and um, you know, he is asymptomatic, which is encouraging. He still has to have those, those negative tests, as you said, and you hope that he doesn't develop symptoms suddenly. But, um, again, it's not, uh, it's not great. Uh, One thing I, I think that, uh, is worth pointing out is I think it was, uh, maybe the Rangers organization or another organization said that, you know, so much of what they wanted to, the players pushed for in these negotiations is, is immediate testing. And, uh, there's talk now that players who tested on Friday still don't have their results. And that is a very real problem because again, if someone's carrying this and and they don't know it, that's that's 48 hours they're going to be in close proximity with other people um, where they could, even if they're feeling fine, of course, get other sick. So it sounds like baseball has some real kinks to get out. As you said, it's not a surprise. They, they fired out the old positive press release. Um, and I think at least at first it, it does seem encouraging. But as you said, as you peel back the curtain a little bit, Um, there's still this very large monster looming in the room where uh, it's going to be a thing they have to work around and deal with.
1: For sure. And we're going to talk about baseball because that's what we do on the show. So the rest... Most of the rest of the podcast is going to be, you know, what's going to happen baseball-wise. But I just want to say out loud, and I know you agree based on our conversations, you know, baseball is not the most important thing here. It's what we're going to cover. But, uh, you know, obviously there are far-reaching implications possible on even the guys who are asymptomatic. We just don't know what's going to happen, you know, health-wise with them and timelines. And uh, we're going to talk baseball, but uh, we, we acknowledge, at least I'll speak for myself, I, I don't think that baseball is the most important thing here. It's just that what we're covering and they're going to try to play, et cetera. So uh there you go. It's not uh I definitely it's definitely funny. Uh, funny is the wrong word. It's definitely strange for me to discuss the baseball ramifications of Freddie Freeman testing positive for 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 COVID-19. It's just that uh we have to try to do that on the show, but uh I do feel like it's very weird right now in addition to just the reality of the of all of it to uh pivot to baseball, but we're going to we're going to kind of have to do that right now if that's all right with everybody else. <laughs>
2: Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, as you know, I mean, everything, I think everything is, is with perspective and, you know, a comma, comma, but after everything we say, but as you said, you know, we aren't doctors. I think everybody, I don't want to speak for everyone, but you know, me personally, I use sports as such a relief from, from, Everyday life and a way to just kind of get lost in a game for a couple hours to take mind off, take your mind off of even if there wasn't this health crisis going on, just as a way to kind of get away and, and get lost in a baseball game for a couple hours. So um, happy to be talking about some real on-field baseball stuff now.
1: Yep, we're gonna do that. Um, okay, I guess first on the agenda here uh, is what happens at first base if Freddie was to miss any time. That's been you know a discussion point. I, I know I've seen today. It's not like. It was. I'm sure for some people it was immediate, but, you know, after a few hours of perspective, uh, you know, the national, sorry, uh, the local reporters and stuff have been talking about this, and fielding questions. Uh, I know Snicker was asked about it today a little bit, um, but basically what happens at first if Freddie were to miss opening day or miss a week or two, uh, how, that, how that might go. And uh, there are some obvious candidates. I know Snicker mentioned Austin Riley. He was the first name that I came that uh, sort of popped in my mind um, as a guy who has the bat profile at first base. Um, Snicker, I guess, gave him a a mini endorsement today in terms of maybe being able to handle that positionally on defense. You also have Camargo as an option, although he's probably better at third than Riley. So if you're going to do that, you just play Camargo at third and Riley at first, if Riley can handle that. Um, Marcakis was part of the discussion in my head anyway, because he's he's been the emergency guy there at times when Freddie's been banged up. And then you have Adam Duvall apparently got some mentions today as well. Those are kind of the four on the roster options. I know Colberson was mentioned. That's a guy you do not want to play at first base as a full-time option. I know there are people that love Charlie Culberson, but I would hope that even they could acknowledge that Charlie's bat is not a first base bat, probably, in a real sense, because uh, most of his value comes from being a versatile guy. You don't want to have to play him there full-time. Um, and I guess, you know, some of the non-roster options, Yonder Alonso, at one point was a major league first base, and I'm not sure if he still is at this point in time. But uh, also a guy, uh, well, I guess more of a theory to mention here, is that without Freeman, if he were to miss any time at all, the Braves don't have much left-handed pop in the lineup. They have Marquegas, they have uh, Camargo as obviously a switch hitter, same with Ozzy, but they don't have that uh, that big mashing left-handed bat if Freddie were to miss some time. So a lot of things to consider there, but what was your first thought when you were considering like what would happen if Freddie were to miss a week or two?
2: I I think the luxury with all those names you mentioned and and the versatility on the roster and and UI and Eric talked about this with the DH maybe a week ago when it came out that there was going to be the universal DH that they do have some flexibility here. Now, nobody is going to replace Freddie Freeman. He's the best first baseman in baseball. And if he is going to miss time, there's no real way to overcome that, right? No matter what they do, mix and match and platoon splits and all that um, there's no way to replace Freddie. But with that said, I I think there's some options here. I'm with you. I think Austin Riley probably makes the most sense. Um, in this shortened season, I am in full favor of letting the young guys go. And we'll talk about Felix Hernandez here on the second half of the podcast, but, um, and and what that does as far as opening up spots for younger guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm in favor of playing young guys this year. This year is going to be so weird. I'd rather give him at bats, uh, someone like Austin Riley, if you will, Um, compared to somebody else. You mentioned Nick Markakis, who, um, if you believe what was kind of talked about today, it sounds like there's going to be just this revolving door between who's in the outfield and who's DHing on any given day. Marcelo Zuna, not a first-base candidate, but somebody who could DH play the corner spots. Nick Marcakis fits that profile as well. Um, Adam Duvall, assuming he continues to play, we, we've talked about his diabetes. Um, thankfully, when you talk about first-base, I'm not suggesting anybody in the world can play first-base at the major league level. But, and I think Freddie is so good over there. Um, he hides how many things can go wrong at first. Um you know, This is not replacing a shortstop where you have to have an extreme skill set in order to play it passably at a big league level. Um, you do have some options. So as of today, July 5th, I would lean towards Riley probably getting the most starts at first base. Um, ideally, they would, as you said, have a left-handed masher, especially the way that uh, SunTrust slash Truist plays is, is more favorable to lefties than righties uh, with the short porch and right. I think ideally you find a left-handed bat, but I'm just not sure – um you know how you realistically could do that it's funny somebody said can we do the matt adams trade again uh, <laughs> and, and bring him in for a couple weeks I, I don't know off the top of my head where matt adams is but but somebody of that mold i don't think yonder Alonso's the answer but if there was an opportunity to bring in a, a left-handed bat as insurance for freddie it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world even if it's for a week or two or three and and then you you have him in a backup role but i guess as of today to answer your question i would lean towards riley getting the most of them with maybe a couple of Marquecas starts um, sprinkled in.
1: I agree. I think if you're going to, if you're trying to find a, and again, just to reiterate, we, we don't know that Freddie will miss any time. Um, if he does miss some time, I think if you were, if you were trying to find an everyday, quote unquote, everyday option, it would probably be Riley. I would imagine. Um, but if not, you could, as you mentioned, just kind of shuffle guys around. Marquecas can play there. He's played there before. Um, Camargo could, could play there. Duvall could play there. You can kind of swing guys around. Um, I do think that, uh, it's worth noting that even before this, it's something I've never really thought of, and we said out loud. Even before any notion of Freddie missing time, you could probably convince me the Braves or could use another left-handed bat somewhere available. Um, not not a, not a not a huge need by any means, but uh, you know they could be active on the market here and. Uh, probably not a huge splash name, but if they could find someone who's like undervalued, that's in first base, like you mentioned, is a very easy spot for some of these guys who could be power bats that may have nowhere else to play um, to have that plus the DH, you could maybe find some extra value somewhere on the market of a guy who might be a platoon heavy guy. That's a left-handed bat, whatever you want to say. Um, there's a, it's a pluggable hole if it even is a hole at this point in time, but uh, also lineup wise, I don't want to get it down to this, down this rabbit hole, but if Freddie were to miss time, I don't know how Snicker would handle that. Um, would you want to move Ronald Acuna to third, et cetera, et cetera? I don't want to do all that today because we, we just don't know. But it's uh, that's just something to consider as well because you basically just written Freddie Freeman and pen as a number three hitter for the last decade, and that would change if he's unable to play. So
2: yeah, there you go. it um, an interesting – it's funny as I was getting ready for this, that, that thought crossed my mind. And it's – you know, you – the Braves, to begin with, this year are going to have a top-heavy lineup, right, with with Acuna, Ozzy, and, and Freddie, and Ozuna presumably fourth. Um, if Freddie does miss time, you are extremely top-heavy all of a sudden, right? Because you know what you're getting with Acuna and Ozzy. Ozuna has been good, not not great, but he's really kind of had that one amazing season. Other than that, he's been steady, but nothing otherworldly. And then, of course, we know that really five through nine is, is going to be consistent and and pretty good but you don't have a ton of uh you know a ton of of proven season-long bats there so um that is an interesting debate I think it's one that we could probably get into for an hour today about lineup construction and if Acuna and Ozzy would be better served hitting other than one and two but that's definitely something I think that will become a topic of conversation the next week or two
1: yeah let's hope it doesn't but uh yeah it might have to be at some point in time I, I know you mentioned uh in passing earlier that the Will Smith news would have been big news on its own. And I totally agree with that. We'll get into that and Felix Fernandez and much, much more after a quick break to hear from our sponsors on today's show.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation? If you're just sitting around like you would at home, you need a tool to get the most out of your time away
1: before we get to Felix, um, Will Smith—that's obviously again—we're hoping he can go early on. Pitchers have to ramp up, but he's a reliever, so there isn't that stretch out component. We'll see how we'll see what happens there. Um, but as we get into Felix Hernandez, and um, sort of this all goes goes into one in some ways, uh, the loss of a left-handed pitcher and Will Smith might be a huge thing because uh, as Felix Hernandez is apparently going to be opting out of a 2020 season, um, this isn't a huge surprise to me uh I will say because he's an older guy number 1 he has uh I think he's earned like 200 plus million dollars in his career and yeah. this is and this is a guy who's basically trying to make Trying to make the team in order to make less than a million for this year, and I know, I know, mm. it's, not, I know it's not all about money. But if you were trying to design a player that would that sh- should consider huh. even heavily, even more heavily opting out, this would be the guy. Um, yep. So I was not terribly surprised, but I hadn't thought about this though, so that's on me for not thinking about it. But Felix is going to miss the season. He was not on. He was not even on the forty men yet, so there was he was not a lock to make the team. But we'll get into projections in a minute. But the the absence of Fernandez. Fern- everyone is assuming that means Sean Newcomb is now the front runner for the number five starter spot. (laughs) And if Newcomb is going to start the only, the only other lockdown left-handed reliever, if you remove Newcomb is Will Smith. They have other options, you know, AJ Mm -hmm. Minter among them. But uh, if you were to do that combination of Newcomb starting and Will Smith, not being available for a couple of weeks, your left-handed reliever pool is uh, taking a hit.
2: It really is. And and you're right. I think, uh, publicly, Newcomb is presumed the fifth starter, and again, who knows exactly what they're going to do? But you're right; I, I don't think anybody necessarily is is uh, overly excited at this point that AJ Minter could be your guy to face, uh, you know, Juan Soto, Bryce Harper in the later innings. Um, it, it's not to say that Minter isn't capable of it, or there's not somebody else on the roster who's capable of stepping up as a lefty specialist. But um, I, obviously, Will Smith was paid a you know a high dollar because the Braves really value him. He is as close to automatic as it gets against lefties, especially in the big leagues. So uh, you're going to need him. You mentioned the fifth starter thing. It sounds like the Braves do want to, I guess, appease Newcomb's desire to be a starter again. Um, whether or not that that happens, I think, at least to start it, it makes sense when they do these shortened starts and, uh, and, and see what happens. Um, and, and finally, you know, with Felix Hernandez, I think his value, to me anyway, was – really going to be shown more over that 162-game regular season, Um, you know, when they knew they weren't going to have Cole Hamels right off the bat. um, They probably didn't want to overexert Soroka and Freed over, you know, for 200-plus innings in their second and third full seasons, respectively. Um, I I think it also comes down to the numbers game. You mentioned it being a 40-man roster issue. Even with the expanded rosters, I, I just wasn't entirely sure what kind of role Felix was going to have and Um, he has been pretty bad the last few years. I know he had a couple of nice starts back in March, but again, I went back and looked at those starts and other than one, one game against the Red Sox in which they had maybe half of their regulars out there. Um, he was facing the beast, the B squad of the Orioles, which is, which is pretty horrific when you think about what their A squad looks like. Um, and I think the Marlins he might've faced, and again, just not facing, he's not facing the rigors of a big league lineup. And, um, but, I, I, you know, I, I, by all accounts, Felix seemed like a great presence in camp and uh, seems like a great guy. As you said, he's made $215 million and it's not all about all about money. But as you said, him, Ryan Zimmerman, those kind of guys who are more than well off financially, not worried about service time. Um, I, I don't blame him one bit for taking the year off and and uh, seeing what comes next for him in another six months or so.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't blame anybody. Uh, that's, I want to say that very clearly. I would not blame anyone for opting out of this season, but, uh, he is again, just in my mind, a perfect case case study of someone who probably should have considered it even more than than anyone else would have. And, uh, he's making that decision. Um, I'm with you. I, I think the loss of Felix on the field is probably not going to be that big, especially for a team that does have a bunch of young arms. Like you get into that Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson territory where those guys easily could have been better than Felix anyway this year. Felix, we we don't know what he would have been um, under normal circumstances, but he's been pretty bad the last couple of years. So obviously a, a once incredible starting pitcher, but not someone that I think uh, you're going to lose a ton from just, but having that extra arm to take on innings and, you know, early in the season, I know a lot of the projections had Felix making the team Um, early in the year when they were trying to maybe do these, like, you know, piggyback starters that would have been kind of valuable but I think once everybody's stretched out um he probably isn't one of your best four or five starting pitchers so yeah. the loss of that is mitigated to some extent but again you know I, I'm on record as thinking Newcomb is better in the bullpen um long term and that doesn't mean he can't start I still think he has a chance to maybe be a good starter but we know he's good in the bullpen and <laughs> that does hurt the bullpen um just by proxy yeah you are taking out your your number two left handed guy from the bullpen and Sean Newcomb and making him your fifth starter is probably the right move now. I think Newcomb is probably, if you ask me, who's going to be better for this year only. uh, No odds between Newcomb or Wright or Newcomb or Wilson. I'd probably take Newcomb, but that doesn't mean uh, it's not like it's a loss to your bullpen if nothing else. So. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens there. Uh, obviously, obviously, we're hoping Will Smith's back in the in the mix, and that helps the bullpen quite a bit. But uh, it does rob from a strength to potentially bolster the rotation.
2: It does, and I, I think it's funny you mentioned how uh, Newcomb and being who he is, and I, I mean the running joke is that you know the year is going to be like 2032, and the Braves are still seeing if Sean Newcomb can be a starter um, again. I'm not saying he can't figure it out. It's not like he's old; he's he's in his mid 20s, but he has been the exact same guy, with the exception of a couple very brief stints in his in his career since he was drafted. Um, he, when he's not walking people, um, he's generally getting hit harder. And of course, we know the issues when he is walking people and striking out more people. Of course, he looks up and he's at 95 pitches in the middle of the third inning. So, um, I hope it works out for Newcomb. I'm I'm as big of a Kyle Wright fan as there is, I thought he was going to break out last year and it was probably a year or two premature. But um, again, you don't want to give too much credence uh, to a couple of spring training starts for that exact reason. You're not facing full length, big league hitters uh, in lineups uh, for, you know, hundred pitches. But if, if it was me, I would probably give the ball the right as a starter and keep Newcomb in the bullpen, especially if they don't think uh, Will Smith is going to be ready uh, for full on duty by opening day.
1: I agree with that. I do think that Newcomb is safer than Wright, but I think Wright's upside is higher. And um, if they see what they need to see from Wright, I would be uh, on board with that. We'll see. Uh, and again, they might use more than five starters at the beginning of the season. You might see some creativity. You might see Wright and Newcomb piggybacking each other. Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to handle the first couple weeks of the season with that when, when they had this 30-man roster. Uh, Josh Tomlin could be heavily in the mix during that time as like a second piggyback starter But, yeah, ultimately, I think the team would be better if Wright performed adequately to have Wright as the fifth starter and Newcomb in the bullpen. But we'll see how that goes along the line. But uh, all indications are, at least from the reporters that are more more dialed in than we are, that Newcomb is the front runner for that spot. So that's the reality at the moment. Um, Last thing in terms of guys being available or not is that this is not like a huge impact thing for us broadly, but Eric Young Senior is going to opt out, and he's uh, the first base coach. Snicker said that he's a high risk candidate, um, and that kind of leads the uh, decision there. Um, they're replacing him internally. Uh, obviously, coaches are, coaches and managers are of an age group that is more vulnerable to this, uh, in addition to any other health issues. So, uh, not a surprise that you would see someone on the staff opting out, obviously wish him the best and hope that's, hope that's the right decision. And, uh, they're going to replace him with someone we probably don't know a lot about, but, um, I just want to make sure we said that out loud. Uh, again, not a, not an on-field huge thing, but, but EY senior is, uh, very, very well regarded within the, uh, with, w- within circles of, um, the team. Um, I have to say, and uh, Scott and I are about to argue about this right now in person because I saw him writing something <laughs> in our document. Mark Uh-oh. Bowman did include Felix Hernandez in his in his roster in his roster projection. I looked at this. We're doing Uh-oh. this. We're doing this right now on the air. But uh, I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're we're about to transition into uh, discussing Mark Bowman's thirty man roster projection. And, uh, by the way, that came down, uh, to no fault of marks that came down at at a really bad period of time for Bowman. He announced that about a day before, uh, all the news hit, um, and so this is before the COVID stuff. This is before Felix opted out. So you're getting into uh, a 30 man roster that has some changes probably coming to. At least one of them has to come with Felix. And I'm giving Scott grief on the air right now. So that's funny.
2: <laughs> but um, I can't read. Reading's a scale. I no,
1: I, it's funny. I doubled back. I was like, wait. I think we're. I think he's on there. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. But let's go through this real quick to talk about the roster projection because this is something we've, we we were back doing in March. Bowman uh, puts together these nice. Uh, I would say very informed and uh, sourced roster projections. He's usually pretty close on this stuff because he hears stuff. He's not just giving his opinion. Um, so 30-man stuff, is it's different because eventually it has to go from 30 down to 28 down to 26. And it's uh, a, a bit of a challenge through that way. Uh, I will say this, the only surprise, if there even was one, to this originally for me was that Culberson was not on it. And uh, even that that, that's a mild surprise, I think uh, we're definitely, we have the rep of being a little bit lower on Charlie than the fan base is. Um, But given what they already have, uh, and for me, the impetus would be to carry a lot of pitching early on for the reasons we've already discussed, like the piggybacking, guys not being stretched out. Um, Culberson was the only guy that I could say was actually a mild surprise. But we'll go through the, the position players real quickly. You have the two catchers, Darnot, uh, Darnot and Flowers. You have Freeman. Obviously, there's a question mark there now. Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson. Those are the locks on the infield. You have Riley and Camargo. You have uh, and uh, Adania Ad- 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 Hechevarria as the backup shortstop, of which you need one on your roster. He's probably the, by far the best candidate for that, so he's on there. And then in the outfield, no surprises, Ron Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, Ender, um, Adam Duvall, and Nick Markekis. So does that group surprise you at all i mean i, I just don't know yeah. I, I guess if you're a Culberson fan you're arguing for him instead of a pitcher because I, I don't know who you remove from that 13 player position pool
2: yeah i think the only um uh, in addition to Culberson, maybe an alex jackson type as a third yeah, catcher third i don't know if yep. if uh you know, has some injury histories flowers has has been good for at least one injury just about every year since he's done with the braves and again i mean you're you're catching and the you know the South and during the summer months it's totally understandable why you're going to get banged up and even uh, then by
1: the way like you're still arguing for those guys in place of pitchers because you're not mm-hmm. going to remove anyone we just named I, I understand that maybe you could argue that if you had you don't need a backup shortstop because maybe you could you could shift Ozzy there if Danzig got hurt then replace him but they're going to carry Hetchavaria I'm pretty sure I don't, and, and yeah. I would as well by the way I would I would certainly endorse having him over Culberson on the roster.
2: Well, and I think, you know, we we are fans of a National League team and we're just not super familiar or, or I guess, uh, used to seeing how DHs are utilized. But I had to remind myself, too, because you have the DH, there's no need. There's not this situation of you pull your starting pitcher in the fourth inning and all of a sudden you're burning your bench and you're out of guys. I mean, really – Again, you're going to want to rest players a little bit more just because it's not your normal year, but there's there's no pinch hitting. You do have the DH available as well to give guys kind of a half day off. They're still hitting, but of course not standing out in the 90-degree temperatures for three hours. Um, so because of that, at first I was a little surprised there, weren't, there wasn't another hitter on there, but for, for that exact reason, and as you said, pitchers are not going to be stretching out and going 100 pitches right off the bat. Um, I, I guess it does make sense to have a, another arm or two um, especially if we don't know what the rotation is going to shake out as and um, with Newcomb and and Smith and all those things we just talked about. So I, I guess it makes sense to me. But um, again, the, the no need to pinch hit, or at least pinch hit as often for the pitchers, I think plays a big role in this that maybe you and you, I and most people haven't accounted for just because it's a different kind of baseball than what we've watched for uh, Forever, basically. No, I will definitely cop
1: to this. I'm glad you said that um, because it's a very important factor here that we've not discussed. So that's that's on me for not talking about this before. But yeah, I mean, our brains are definitely trained for no no DH baseball, and you do not need 14 position players if you if you're not pinch hitting. Like, and again, there there'll there'll be some pinch hitting still. It's not like they're just never going to pinch hit, but the volume goes way down when you remove the pitcher spot. Um, you could still see situations where they're pinch-hitting for Ender Enciarte or they're pinch-hitting for, you know, whoever in the lineup that day. If they're starting Ender for defense and you get in high leverage, a high-leverage spot against a left-handed pitcher and you go to Adam Duvall, that makes a lot of sense. But day in and day out, we'll we'll see full games now without pinch-hitting, I would imagine. And mm-hmm. that just doesn't ever happen, and now it's going to. So I'm uh, glad you brought that up, to be sure, because that that definitely decreases the need, um, not necessarily for Culverson, but just for the depth that you would see more often now you'll go to platoon stuff and you want hatch for defense etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah I, I think that's even another argument in favor of carrying less uh, fewer position players I will say this there's no limit on pitchers early on when they have 30man projections and 30man rosters but they do have to get down to 13 13 is the maximum the, the maximum allow allotment of pitchers when the roster goes, goes down to 26 so it's going to be 13-13 and 13 probably when they get down there, um, which means if you do want to carry a third catcher, you gotta, you got to find somebody to get rid of. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you wanted to carry Culberson, you got to find somebody to get rid of. The third catcher is probably more practical, frankly. I know Culberson's the emergency guy, but I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, we'll see. I do think that they're basically, barring injury and barring like somebody just falling apart in the next three weeks, there really are 12 locks and maybe hecheveria. I, I don't see them in this world where there's no triple a baseball. There's no reason for them to not have Riley on the roster now. Like yeah, there's no reason yeah. to have, to not have Camargo on the roster now. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm with
2: you. No, I, I'm with you. I think, I think the pitchers have a little more fluctuation just because you don't know. I mean, we have Darren O'Day here locked in or, or maybe not locked in, but penciled in. And, and of course there's, there's major health questions with him and, and a couple others, but no, I think the position players are a little more set in stone. And, um, and again, just because this is the, you know, the 30 man roster, it's, I mean, injuries are going to happen. Non COVID injuries are yep. going to happen. Um, you know, somebody's going to hit the DL and then you, and then you do have, if, if uh, Ender and gets hurt for the third time in four years, you have that, that option to bring up one of your outfield prospects. So it's, um, you know, it's everything like this is, it's so out of, out of, I guess uh, unusual, if you will, with everything going on, and, and then you almost forget. Oh, yeah, you can make a regular roster move if you have to make <laughs> right. one. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not like they have to roll these thirty guys out regardless for for a month until the roster shrinks down.
1: Yeah, uh, let's get into the pitching now because that's a, it's a good transition point. Um, there are a bunch of locks on here. Um, originally, Bowman's projection had 17 pitchers. That did include Felix Fernandez, who we can obviously cross off at this point in time. But you have Soroka, you have Free, you have Hamels, you have Avich, Those guys are absolute locks. You have Will Smith, who, if healthy, is a lock. Mark Mark Melanson, Shane Green. Um, you have Martin, you have Luke Jackson, you have Darren O'Day. Those guys all seem to be locks if they are healthy. Um, you get into Sean Newcomb, another lock, if, if healthy, um, and then you get into a little bit of gray area. So I just named 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys that I think are absolute locks. Then you get into either Kyle Wright or Josh Tomlin or Bryce Wilson or two of those three or all three. Someone like that is going to be on the roster as a long man slash sixth starter type, especially early on in the season. Uh, and then you get into your other straight bullpen candidates, your A.J. Minters, your Jacob Webbs. Uh, Tukey was on uh, Bowman's projection. That, that was, that's what that's who Bowman went with was Minter, Webb, and Tukey as his final three alongside Tomlin, Newcomb, and Wright, and Felix. Um, and then you get into the other crop, which is like you know you have Bryce Wilson, you have Chad Sabaka, Patrick Weigel, Grant Dayton as a lefty. Could be interesting now if Newcomb is going to be in the rotation. You might want another left-hander. Um, that's kind of it and that I saw. I know people want to, people want the Braves to carry Christian Pache. That's not going to happen, I don't think, early on. But uh, I don't know. I mean, without Felix, I would probably change Bowman's projection and add in Wilson to start with, because yep. you want another starter to maybe do some piggybacking. Otherwise, the rest of his projection holds up, provided that Smith and Tukey can be there. And We're going to assume for this exercise that they can be, but obviously those are a question marks right
2: now. Yeah, I'm with you. I think think Bryce Wilson's probably the leader in the clubhouse. He did not have a good spring, and I really don't know how much to lend to, of course, a couple spring starts, especially when they were three-plus months ago. But uh, for that very reason, I think Bryce Wilson is somebody who who has obviously done it at the big league level. You could give him the ball and and hope for 50 or 60 innings and and not have to cover your eyes too much. Um, Side note, Mike Sirocco with the beard is a good look. He went from looking like 18 years old <laughs> does and look older, lost at, yeah. like a, at a mall to, <laughs> to being like, you know, he's, he's a good looking kid now. So, um, anyway, I noticed the beard in an interview. I thought he looked good. He does um, look older, yes. But no, I think, again, health assuming, you do have a couple of guys who have had some, uh, you know, Chris Martin of course in the playoffs and he had some injury things with the Rangers and Darren O'Day, who we just talked about. So inevitably there's going to be some fluctuations with bullpens. That's why the Braves and so many others load up on relievers because they know, especially over a full season, you're going to have guys get hurt. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. Um, but it it is an opportunity for some of these guys who probably would have been left out on the original opening day roster a few months ago, the AJ Minters, Grant Dayton, who you mentioned, um, I think it's an opportunity for them to step up and, and fill a role because you have the three batter minimum. I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult to justify carrying somebody like Grant Dayton. But again, if if Newcomb's in your rotation and you're just not sure about Will Smith, maybe a guy like him or, or A.J. Minter who probably has a little bit of a leg up just because of the things he's done a couple of years ago. Um, it it gives you some options maybe not the best options in the world but again um, hopefully in theory these are not guys you're going to be counting on to lock down your eighth and ninth innings regularly
1: right and eventually you got to get down to 13 and if if the Braves have good health which is obviously obviously a big if you get to 11 or 12 really fast in terms of pitchers uh, of guys who we know will be there like your bullpen uh, your better bullpen guys are established you know you're Smith, Melanson, Green, Martin, Luke Jackson, and maybe O'Day. Uh, those guys are very established, will be their bullpen pieces unless they just fall apart or get hurt. So we'll see what happens. There are some decisions to be made. Um, this is a note that goes for both Josh Tomlin and, and Charlie Culberson. There is some monetary concern. I don't, I don't know how much of a monetary concern. That's a question for Liberty Media, but especially on, on, with regard to Culberson. Those guys are not on the 40-man right now, which means they, they're not guaranteed any money at the moment. So if they don't think, especially for Culberson, I think Bowman mentioned this as well, if the Braves didn't think that Culberson was going to be on their final 26-man roster, um, they have a reason not to carry him with 30, because if they carry him with 30, they got to pay him um, and put him on the 40-man, do all that stuff, give, give him a real contract that's going guarantee him, to guarantee him some money. Um, and... Honestly, I don't. I don't see Culberson as being on the 26-man roster unless there's an injury. Obviously, let's, there's a lot that, ha- that could happen between now and then. But if they only carry, you know, 13 position players, which is, seems to be likely to me, uh, there's there's monetary reasons as well as performance reasons to uh, not consider guys like Tomlin and guys like Culberson who are not on the 40-man. That was also the case for Felix, by the way, who's not on the not not around anymore. But those are the three guys that were that are really not on the forty-man roster that we're really projecting to be in the mix. So subtract subtract one of them, but there are still two left. And if they care about money, and owners always care about money more than we want more than we want them to, that's a consideration as well.
2: Yeah, and I think too because they know they have the the roster cuts coming pretty quick. I don't have the dates in front of me when they go. It's
1: like every two weeks, I, I think, yeah. from yeah. thirty to twenty-eight, and then twenty-eight to twenty-six.
2: Yeah. Well, and then the 40 man roster thing too is, is significant because yes. as the Braves have gotten better, they have naturally that you compare with their 40 man roster looks like the depth of it today versus what it was two or three years ago. And it's, it's night and day different. And I think that's, that's a sign of a good uh, deep ball club when you don't just have a good 26 man roster, you have a good 40 man. You feel like most guys, other than a prospect or two who might be on there for uh, service time reasons, uh, you want to have really close to 40 players who you could, in theory, throw out there any given night and and feel pretty confident with. So, um, again, this is all, as you said, this is kind of more of a numbers and financial game stuff that maybe your, your casual fan doesn't necessarily think about. But, uh, uh, nonetheless, I would hope that a couple hundred thousand dollars, again, it's not my money, I'm not writing the check, but I would hope that isn't the difference between a player making the roster yeah, or not. Yeah, me too. Um, But, again, it is something that is... Is a real part of it, and if if they feel a player is the best uh, person to go with, I would hope that a few hundred thousand dollars, if it is one of these guys, would be the determining factor. But again, it's not our uh, it's not our call.
1: I, I would agree, and uh, I would hope it would be nothing more than a tiebreaker. For instance, if you were trying to compare Culberson to Heterveria, uh yeah. and thought those guys were really really close, maybe you just go with the guy who's already making the money. I don't know, but yeah, I just. Somebody mentioned, I think it was Bowman, somebody mentioned that was a consideration. I was like, "Well, that, that does make some sense. I mean, especially after all the machinations between ownership and the players, that uh, ownership may be able to save another half million dollars, something like that. That probably is not a, uh, a non-zero concern for them. Okay, uh, that's probably enough on the roster stuff for now. We'll obviously have more opening day again, 19 days away, and hopefully less, uh, less negative news between now and then would be good, but we obviously can't dictate that. Um, yeah. Last thing before we get out of here, uh, and we'll spend very little time on this for right now. But there was an Associated uh, an Associated Press report that came out on Saturday that the Braves quote gave no indication they are willing to consider a name change. End quote. That comes after the Washington professional football team and the Cleveland Indians announced that they're <laughs> looking into changing their names. Uh, obviously, the Washington one has been in the news forever, and it seems like they're gonna, probably going to do that. The Indians, a little bit less so. Um, Chief Wahoo was not a good thing, and they got rid of that, which was good. But uh, those those teams are probably going to change their names. The Braves have not, at least, the, least that I've seen, gotten too much heat on the name of the team. Um, It's gotten more focused on the CHOP, which they've been quiet on, by the way, conspicuously so, since the uproar back in October. The Braves went kind of silent on the CHOP stuff since October. Um, The statement that the team put out through the AP says that the team is, uh, quote, honors, supports, and values the Native American community, and that will never change, end quote. I have uh, no other buzz on that. I just wanted to Mm. make, make sure make sure people knew that that report did happen and it, it, it was not announced by the team. It's one of those team statements that was not actually announced by the team. It was like given to the AP because I'm sure the AP asked for it. The, the, the team kind of got went out of its way to not announce anything about this. <laughs> um, yeah. but I just wanted to say that's, that's out there. I know there was lots of, at least people asking whether the Braves would get lumped in with Washington and Cleveland on this. And it seems like they're not going to change the name. The chop, um, won't be an issue this year because there's no fans. So maybe that maybe the, maybe they're just hoping it'll go away on its own. I don't know how that's going to go, but uh, yeah. I wanted to make sure we we <laughs> mentioned that because it, it was news that happened on Saturday.
2: Yeah. Glad I'm not the one having to write these press releases. Yeah. Uh. The, the PR,
1: the PR department is going to have to work over time. Um, and I think I don't know. how I'm not, I'm not even trying to say this. I, I do think that. The, the chop needs to go. I've said that before. I'm not like the most enthusiastic person saying that every five minutes that they need to ban the chop, but uh, I think it needs to go. But that's okay. Uh, it's that's an, that's an opinion thing people are on all sides of, which yeah. I don't want to get into now. But because they're not going to be fans in the building this year... Maybe they, maybe they don't have to address it because they're not going to be playing the chop prompt for an empty stadium. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe they'll get another year of distance between that. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure what the decision making tree is going to be like on that. But what we do know right now is that the Braves are not uh, at least at the moment considering a name change.
2: Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. I think you are too. It's it's yes. uh, You know, again, it's it's kind of hard to. It's a losing battle because no matter what, if you're in favor of a change or getting rid of the chop. Or if you're in favor of keeping it as it is and, and doing the chop every five minutes, it, you're not changing anyone's opinion on this. I think it's one of those things you might as well just yell at the wall in your bedroom because it's going to have the same result as yelling with somebody who has the different mindset of you. So, um, yeah, I, again, it's it's a it's a sticky situation. And, and um, I'm, as I said, I'm glad I, I don't work in the Braves PR department because that is something that will. Uh, regardless of what ultimately happens, is something that's not going to be uh, a lot of fun to deal with.
1: Right, and like, like I said, I've not heard anything really of, of substance on the Braves changing their name even before this, but they at least felt that it was enough to issue a statement to the AP, so somebody asked them, and they, uh, they responded, so we're passing yeah. it along. Um, last thing, the minor league season officially got canceled. This week, which is not a big surprise, Uh, we knew that was coming for a long, long time. In fact, live on the podcast last time around with Eric and I, um, the report came out about players maybe going to indie ball and playing, and I had Eric react in live, real time. Um, I have nothing to add other than that that also came down this week, a few days ago, that the minor league season was canceled, which was just a foregone conclusion before the last, I don't know, two-plus months, I would say, but uh, yeah. any thoughts on the cancellation of the minor league season? And we, we, we've already gone through the machinations of the taxi squad and all that stuff. But now
2: yeah. it is
1: official. No baseball beyond the majors.
2: It's a bummer just because so many small towns are, are so passionate and support uh, minor league ball so, so, so well. Um, I forget who said it. But, you know, I said it's, it's one of the few places where you have absolutely no idea who the person is in front of you. And you have dozens of kids and, and really adults, for that matter, lining up to get their autograph. Right. Um, so it is a bummer. Hopefully next year they're able to have some kind of a season. Um, but it is a shame. And hopefully, um, the players who are not on the taxi squad, of course, are able to continue working out and maybe they go to indie ball. Maybe they just work out with some buddies at their local high school, but, um, it is a shame, but it did feel, it did feel inevitable.
1: Yeah, that's well said. I've never been, uh, obviously we have, uh, Eric and the crew that dive in the minor league stuff. And I, I, I feel for them because they invest in an inordinate amount of time in watching and scouting and just enjoying minor league baseball in a way that I kind of never have. Frankly, I, I keep an eye on it because I need to, for this podcast and other things. Um, I've not ever been that guy, but I can even appreciate like just going to the ballpark. I've, you know, I, I go to Gwinnett a few times a year just cause it's pretty close to me and enjoy it. And it's uh, it's sort of a simplest form kind of thing. Like if you just love baseball and kind of just baseball itself, you can go to a ballpark and obviously there's always the wacky promotions, and stuff like that to get you through the <laughs> night. But, um, If you just, if people just love going to baseball games, that's going to be a loss uh, in a big way to communities. So I feel for everybody that's invested in that, hopefully that's going to be back in 2021. Uh, and yeah, we'll leave it there for now. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, the baseball schedule is apparently at least there's a report out there that it's going to probably come out on Monday. We're recording the Sunday afternoon.
2: Get ready. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's going to happen in the next couple of days, if not tomorrow. Um, you know, because we kind of know who they're going to play already. I'm not sure that's a huge landmark event that's worthy of an emergency podcast because we we already know that it's going to be 40 games against the NL East and 20 games against the AL East. Um, but the order will come out, and we'll know what it is. We'll know when we'll, we'll know when and, and how the Braves are opening the season, probably on the 24th of July if it happens. And again, fingers crossed that baseball occurs. We're almost uh, what less than three weeks away now. We're getting there. Um, any final thoughts on the show today, Scott? We, we've covered lots of ground, and uh, I will say, July Fourth was not supposed to be uh, all of that news. I was not planning <laughs> to do like a like a pseudo emergency show on the day the day after July Fourth. But the Braves had uh, three or four major news stories on a federal holiday. So there you yeah. go. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, usually it's, uh, somebody pointed out this weekend would have been, it's a real shame, especially for you and people who live in the Atlanta area. Cause I think the angels and Mike Trout were supposed to be in Atlanta for the that fourth July weekend, yes. which would have been, uh, I mean, just, you know, to see him in person play is really pretty cool. And obviously a guy being on the, you know, AL West team, somebody who you just don't see a whole lot in person, especially again, if you're in the Atlanta area. So, um, but you're right. A little unconventional. Um, let's, let's, uh, here, we'll close on this. $5 gentleman's bet, oh. because you were a betting man. Who are the Braves opening up with? I'm uh, going to say... It's, my not, pick, it's not the Nationals, by the way. We know that. It is not the Nationals. I'm going to say they're going to open with the uh, Miami Marlins, is my, uh, is my very insider. I have no insight. Uh, it's my complete guess.
1: Okay, so if you say the Marlins, I am choosing between the Mets and the Phillies.
2: Probably. I mean, I guess they could do an interleague. I mean, they they could they
1: could. Accurate. I'm just saying, if you picked an interleague, yeah. I would make fun of you because the, the odds are not in your favor. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Playing the odds. Yeah, and it's not the Yankees either because they're up with the Nats. Um, yeah. I will say, the New York Metropolitans. There you go. I have no inside information, nor does this matter whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, we will settle on this no. whenever uh, in a post-COVID world we will. I'll send you. Well, I don't know. We'll maybe meet up and have a meal and I'll buy it. There for you me. go. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Whenever we get back to uh, Sun Trust, Less the winner will buy, or the winner gets a beer or something like that. Or I'll, 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 or buy, I'll
1: buy you something at Chase Field when I come out to Arizona next time. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't know. We'll see. And again, I think there's some planning purposes stuff, but. Unfortunately, you know, the big thing about the schedule released in baseball is usually like planning out your trips and no one's going to yep. go to these games. Yeah, so so. Uh, maybe you could, I don't even know what you would use it for. Like off days, maybe knowing when off days are will be a big thing for playing yeah. purposes. Um, yeah. That will help me. I know that because, you know, I, I cover other sports as well. So it helps me to know when the Braves are on and when they're not. But sure. other than that, I got nothing for you on, on schedule landmarks.
2: I am interested to see one of the things, and not to go too deep on scheduling, but I am interested, you know, generally, they I think two years ago, they implemented these new day game rules, where if you were going to be um, in a different time zone, you had to play a day game that day. Yeah. Um, if, if within, uh, you know, if, if you were in a series in the city on Wednesday, and then you were playing the next day in a different time zone, you had to play a day game on Wednesday for the most part. There were a couple exceptions. Yeah, I would imagine baseball will try to play as many day games as they can just to get players out of cities as quick as they can so they you know it's it's probably six less hours they're sitting around in a you know in hotels and clubhouses and all that but um it it will be interesting to see if it's any different than prior years or if it's just well you know it's going to be the middle of july or you know middle of august in atlanta if we can avoid playing it one in the afternoon we should probably do it
1: yeah that that's a good point but on the, on the flip side of that and I I saw some people discussing this I think it might have been I can't remember who it was but um there was a fan asking a writer I think it was about you know why wouldn't they do more day games for some reason and the the, the response was well you know with no crowds TV is even as as even more oh, important yeah. to the bottom mm-hmm. line um so they're going to want ratings that means uh, as many night games as possible too so there's yeah. there's it's the back point. there's the back and forth there especially during the week I think yeah. you will see uh, as few day games as possible because TV is going to be everything right now in terms of revenue. They don't have any other way to make money. So, well, and, especially
2: uh, this year compared to others. I mean, you're going to have – I mean, on top of just not having fans, I think people are just so desperate and hungry to watch, to watch sports on TV. You're absolutely yep. right. I, I didn't think about that. So. No,
1: it's going to be all sides. I mean, that's one of the things that baseball um, – sort of forfeited a bit of maybe just a few weeks of by delaying as long as they did. And that was all ownership. And by the way, Rob Manfred embarrassed himself again this week, which we could have done a, a segment on uh, when he basically said the quiet part out loud about how they wanted to uh, have 60 games the whole time. That was yeah. an insane. Co- it was an insane quote that he gave <laughs> literally on the record. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, um, anyway, uh, part of that was part of the, like the fever pitch of being angry about baseball was that they were giving up prime real estate where it would have been them and nothing else for Mm -hmm. all of july on tv uh granted there isn't always huge crossover between baseball and basketball and maybe even hockey fans but basketball comes back like the week after baseball now so whatever head start they have it's now it's a week instead of maybe a month and uh and the basketball games probably have a little bit more weight to them given that they are playoff games in a hurry. So I don't know. It's back and forth. Obviously the, the fan bases do not cross over all that much, but for me, they do. So uh, hmm. I have to watch both and hopefully they'll all cooperate with me, but
2: yeah. Alas, there it's we are. It's a good problem to have after no sports since, uh, yeah, we're you know, hoping like that's in March. We're hoping it still
1: happens. I mean, yeah. I know you'll be excited to watch playoff hockey when it arrives. So,
2: yep. Yeah, no, I mean, I seriously, there's sound like nothing sounds better right now than having, like a game on TV and a game, a different game on an iPad and a different game on a laptop or, you know, maybe bring down another TV from wherever. And yeah, that the idea of that still a, a ways to go, but fingers crossed and with a little bit of luck uh, we'll be in that situation. Yep,
1: for sure. All right. Well, Scott, this was fun uh, in the way that it possibly could be. Uh, I think put, Flynn's probably not the best word for it, but it was good to talk <laughs> baseball for most of this podcast. Yeah. Our uh, our thoughts go out to Freddie and Will Smith and Pete Cosma and Tukey and anyone else across baseball that has uh, tested positive for COVID or beyond. By the way, beyond baseball, we hope everybody that's listening has uh, healthy for themselves and uh, also for their families, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, let's get through this thing together. Everybody, be careful, please, out there. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend. Hopefully everybody enjoyed this Sunday afternoon episode of the show. We'll be back again within a week of now. I'm not sure exactly when. Usually we'll be dictated by schedules and news. But uh, we're ramping up and uh, jump on board with us. So will see everybody next time.
2: Take care, everybody.